The very name seaweed suggests the largely negative associations that many, perhaps most people, have about a certain category of aquatic plant life. But our next guest has a mission to make us think about seaweed as, quote, not smelly beach drift, but as attractive and unusual plants worthy of greater attention and appreciation. John Huseman has spent the best part of four decades studying and photographing aquatic plant life. He's the author of Marine Plants of Australia, which in 2023 is now out in a newly revised third edition. John's also the curator of the Western Australia Herbarium, which boasts a collection of more than 840,000 dried specimens of plants, algae, lichens, fungi and slime moulds gathered from 1770 to today throughout Western Australia and from across the globe. John Huseman, welcome to Sunday Extra. Lovely to talk to you, Julian. Now, John, I know you don't like the term seaweed, and I was interested to read in your preface about the very niche controversy over what the word plant actually means. And there are also some really interesting variations, things like words like paddleweed, wireweed, sea lettuce, and the excellent dead man's fingers. But let's go right down to basics. John, what is seaweed? Okay, so seaweeds, there are essentially three colour versions of seaweed. So we've got red seaweed, brown seaweed and green seaweed. And then we've got these blue greens, which are actually um, photosynthetic bacteria. So the cyanobacteria. Um, even though they all sort of occupy the same habitat in the ocean, they, uh, they're actually not that closely related to one another. Um, so they're, they're different divisions of plants. So it's, um, it's quite a unique um, field of study to, to look at these different things. So some people would regard plants as only encompassing or only including the higher plants, the terrestrial ones that have evolved. And if you're looking in the ocean for those, you would be looking at the sea grasses, which is, again, a, a different group. The seaweeds themselves are regarded as more primitive but in many ways, they are more specialised than the, than the higher plants. Mm. And John, while we're on terminology, you're what's known as a phycologist, which I'm sure never gets mistaken for a different field of work. And don't even get me started on the potential confusion of John Huseman, phycologist. But what is a phycologist? Um, well, it's, it's, it's a person who studies seaweed. Well, right. it's a person who studies algae. Um, algae encompasses all sorts of different things. So we've got terrestrial algae and, and freshwater algae as well. So, But anybody who studies algae is a phycologist. Um, yes, it's very easily confused with other other occupations. Um, and to be honest, I'd never write it down on my, uh, on my immigration card that I'm a phycologist. <laughs> uh, John, how did seaweed first grab your attention and capture your imagination well i um look i've always i've always loved the ocean you know i mean i can go back to when i was a, a little kid watching sort of jacques cousteau and uh and mm. you know um sea hunt and i think there's that that strange series with the, the divers in there and I, I wanted to be a diver um and it, i did a university degree i went to melbourne university and studied science and and sort of uh, specialized in marine science and then uh, I was sort of at the end of that degree and wondering what to do next. And I had a rather inspirational lecturer um, who I got along with very well, who gave the uh, the marine algae course. And so I went on from there. I did an honours um, year with him and then went on to do a PhD and then eventually came over to Western Australia, where I've been pretty much ever since. 
on RN, we're speaking with John Huseman, who is the curator at the West Australian Herbarium. John, your first edition of Marine Plants of Australia came out in 2000, and it had 300 species listed. That jumped to 600 species when the second edition came out in 2019. Now, at edition three, you've got 645 species. Look, I hope enthusiasts will forgive us for the spoilers, but what are some of the key new materials in the third edition? Well, uh, look, I'm, as I said, I'm a keen photographer, and so if I go out and I find something that I haven't seen before or I haven't got a nice photograph of, I'll photograph it. And so that's pretty much how they end up, um, the book ends up expanding. You know, mm. there, are, there are thousands of species of seaweed out there, and, you know, I would love to photograph every one of them and include them in a mammoth book. Um, so it's, you know, the first edition, it was um, in the days of slide photography, and so I had an old Nikonis camera, which um, served me very well, but, of course, you can only ever take 36 shots on a dive um, and then I then I moved into uh, into digital photography and then you can go crazy and take thousands so in the subsequent editions um, not too many photographs survive from the first edition because in in the interim I've been able to take you know better photographs and I always feel like there's always a better photograph out there and uh, and we and I add more and more so it's um it's a it's a growing thing I'm not I'm not sure how I'm not sure how much the publisher will go, how long, how much longer we can go on with this, but uh, I would love to. I'm sure you've got a few more editions in you, John. Uh, one of the things you note again in the new edition is the opportunities you've had to get to some really remote locations to dive and photograph. And you also tell us about some of your favourite locations. Could you run us through some of those? Oh, well, look, I've been, I have been very lucky. I was um, involved with the Western Australian Museum as part of their marine survey team, um, and we used to troop up to the Kimberley or the Pilbara every year and spend uh, you know spend a couple of weeks diving in these remote locations and collecting seaweeds I would collect seaweeds and photograph them and then other members of the team would be looking at the fish and the corals uh, but so I uh, you know I suppose on those trips the the one place that really stands out to me is a place called Hibernia Reef, which it's north of Ashmore Reef, so we're really getting up there. It's probably closer to Indonesia than it is to Australia. But it was, you know, one of those places where if you've ever seen pictures and documentaries about coral reefs, it it was that exemplar of that beautiful, pristine coral reef. There were so many fish. The corals were the healthy as. Um, some of my favourite places are probably like the Abrolhos, which is a group of islands that um, sit off Geraldton. It's a shortish flight, but a several hours trip on a on a boat. The interesting part about the Abrolhos is it's it's impacted by a warm water current that comes down the coast of Western Australia, and so you get tropical species growing there, tropical seaweed species, but you also get the uh, the cold water, the temperate ones. So you can find kelps mixed in amongst corals and also um, tropical seaweed. So it's a, it's a really interesting place. It's almost like the, you know, the, the Western Australia's Galapagos, where you get this intermixing of different um, habitats and different species occurring. And so it was one of the first places that I went to and really sort of in earnest looked at um, trying to actually describe some of the species from there. John, you're clearly in your element when you're diving and photographing underwater, so much so that I gather your wife won't dive with you anymore because you, <laughs> your attention's so much focused <laughs> elsewhere. Is that right? Tell, tell us about some well, of the dynamics that go on under the under the sea. Well, I, look, I, I actually I, I met my wife on a dive trip and to the Abrolhos of all places, and uh, and yes, and so we used to dive quite regularly together. And um, uh, I think what happened was. My, 
I tend to be very focused and my dive buddies, I pretty much leave them to their own devices. Um, and some people quite, you know, they're quite comfortable doing that. But uh, but my wife was perhaps not so. And uh, she keeps telling a story about how we're up at uh, up at Exmouth at one stage, diving at Bundegi. And um, and I was sort of so involved with what I was doing that I didn't notice the moray eel that had <laughs> that had uh, come out of its lair and, oh, and was wow. and was chasing us around. So and uh, and she tells this story, and to this day I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember seeing the thing. So, um, so yes, I mean, you know, other things came into play as well, of course. We had a daughter and um, all of a sudden, you know, I'm diving for my work and putting myself in that situation. And, of course, you know, when you become a parent, I suppose you change a little bit about um, the risks you're prepared to take. And I think that's what happened to my wife as well. So, uh, John, seaweed's also potentially shaping up as big business. Could you tell us about some of the areas where seaweed is finding new and quite exciting uses well seaweed's always been big business um you know i mean we just think about japanese food you know i mean Mm. you know when i was a kid we never would have thought about wrapping seaweed around rice and and having it as a snack but now it's it's everywhere it's one of the most valuable products that comes out of the ocean farming the nori that um is used in sushi rolls and japanese food but like I said, for years, you know, there are seaweed extracts that are used in industry, um, agar, which is used in microbiology and, you know, sort of growing um, microorganisms is um, is a seaweed product. And there's never been anything that can replace it. Um, but I suppose the most exciting one, the one that people hear about, and we actually saw ads on television a couple of years ago, was uh, feeding seaweed to cattle and sheep to reduce their methane mm. output. So this is a, a particular seaweed called the Sparagopsis. And um, there was a discovery made that if you fed asparagopsis in fairly small quantities, so you only need to, you know, a small portion of their feedlot, it reduces their methane output by about 95%. And so it's certainly a very, very active field of research now. And people are growing asparagopsis in aquaculture facilities or in, and in the ocean um, to feed to cows. So um, hopefully it all works. You know, it's been proven that it does work. I suspect one of the difficulties is going to be delivering the seaweed to the cows. Um, but, you know, if we can overcome those hurdles, I think it'd be a great thing. Where there's a will, there's a way. Well, yeah. John, you've alluded to the potential limits on the tolerance of your publishers, but you've also written that one of your goals in life is to document photographically and in print the entire marine flora of Western Australia. How far have you gotten? How far have you got to go? <laughs> well, I mean, people ask me, you know, how many species of seaweed are there in Australia? And um, look, there are probably about 5,000 recorded now, but I would guess there would be closer to 9,000 once we get it all sorted out. Um, in Western Australia, you know, there are several thousand. And so if I'm only up to 640, I've got I've got a ways to go. And of course, but some of them are they're sort of tiny little microscopic things that, you know, don't photograph very well in the wild. And so I've got to collect them and bring them back to the microscope and, and photograph them that way. But, uh, but I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I think for the rest of my working life and probably beyond that as well, I'll be uh, I'll be out there collecting and photographing seaweeds. Well, good on you, John. Stick with it. We'll look forward to future editions of Marine Plants of Australia. And it's been a great pleasure discussing your work uh, with us today on Sunday Extra. Thanks very much for joining us. Pleasure. That's John Huseman, author of the 2023 revised edition of Marine Plants of Australia and curator at the Western Australian Herbarium. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.